What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I am joined by Marcus Stewart. How you doing, Marcus? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I am doing phenomenal. You know, it's it's snowing outside. Oh. It finally feels like winter. And, you know, I'm just settling in. Okay. Feeling very cozy. Send me some of that. Uh, I'll try my best. Uh, we're also joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello, Kyle. How are you? I'm good. I'm in a windowless basement, so I'll just trust you that uh, it's snowing outside. Yeah, it's still snowing. Two days straight. Uh, and rounding out the crew... Charles Hart. How are you doing, Charles? Hello, I'm good. There's no snow. I can see it and there's none of it. But there was the other day. And that's oh. that's how I'm personally doing, is there was snow the other day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that for you. Uh, it's going to be a busy episode. Uh, we're going to try to stick to around 60 minutes or so. We'll see. Uh, we're going to go through the full list of the Game Award nominees. We're going to be talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Our early impressions from the first, you know, five-ish hours of the game. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Pentiment, Somerville, and Harvestella, um, which Charles, Kyle, and Marcus have been playing, respectively. And then we'll round out the show with a couple of listener emails. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. So the full list of the 2022 Game Awards nominees have been revealed. Now, disclaimer, Game Informer as an outlet is a judge. Uh, in the Game Awards, and we, you know, as part of that process, submitted our picks. Um, but this is, you know, the the aggregated picks, you know, that Jeff Keighley's team at the Game Awards assembled to represent the voice of all of the judges. And I think they also, there's some of these that, like, the public also weigh in on, I think. Um, but yeah, without further ado, we can go down the list because it's a long one. So the uh, each category has one, two, three, four, five, six nominees. Of course, the the Game Awards are going to be streamed. I think like December eighth uh, that evening, um, and you have until then to go and vote. So yeah, the Game of the Year nominees for the Game Awards are a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West. Stray and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Are there any that like stand out as like I mean I think Elden Ring and God of War like you probably could have seen those two come in. The list could have um, been those two and then four others. <laughs> right? That, yeah, that's yeah. how they could have listed it right on the website and four others. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people it's funny to sort of complain about this cuz it's like we did submit our own and stuff but uh, I I think people are rightly complaining about Vampire Survivors not uh being on that list i think yeah I think that, that game like is game... quietly very huge you know i mean even like not quite i feel like i've heard so much about that game and i haven't even played it but that's been the game all year long that i've heard it's good yeah, man not, not to jump ahead it's not even in best indie i know well oh, I didn't it's know that debut indie right it got that it gets, yeah. yeah but it's i don't know it's one of those ones that's like it was early access it was steam and now it's on consoles it just went 1.0 but like i and i and i and i'm not even like the biggest lover of the game i like it fine i played it a lot on my steam deck and i really enjoyed it but um the the people who like really like you you're usually all in on vampire survivors and in, in, in a way that it becomes an illness <laughs> you know? yeah charles what do you think about these these nominees uh yeah i, I agree with 
what Kyle said about it's it should be God of War, Elden Ring, and then four others because that's kind of what we thought it would be. I am surprised to see um, Xenoblade not in a bad way. I just haven't played it. It just wasn't. I think a part of a lot of conversations I've been having, and I don't. I I respect its place on there. I think it's cool that we got something like that. I think I think generally, I uh, of a game of the year nominations list, I would like more diversity than there was i guess it feels like a lot of the same type of game like the big uh uh i don't know like vampire survivors would have been a good a good thing to throw in there to mix it up um i I was also gonna say plague tale is a game i also haven't heard a lot of buzz about personally i think the people i've heard that have played it have liked it but in terms of like the best games of the year i it wasn't a lot of conversations i was hearing yeah you know game i feel like is like kind of got snubbed for this category is neon white oh, yeah. that yeah. game could have easily been on here based on you know well number one like scores and it's it's reception but also just like feel like that's also been one of those games this year that has been a part of the conversation since it came out oh yeah and hasn't really stopped whereas you know a couple of these even though it's more recent a plague tale i feel like that game kind of came came out and it had its it had its week and then it kind of like you know, maybe it's not fair to that game because it's just been surrounded by so many other massive releases. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But I haven't played that one, so I can't I can't speak to that. But I do feel like Vampire Survivors, like y'all, and then Neon White are the two that like feel weird weird that they're not there. I I really like Stray. I I don't remember. If, I think I voted to. I don't remember how how our list shaked out. But I, I agree that Stray is one of the best games of the year. I know I saw like some discourse about it, you know. Uh, but I thought the cat game was good, and I'm happy it's on the list. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's simple in what it does, but I think it's really effective. Yeah, I'd also throw in Tunic as another big snub. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, Tunic and Neon White were the two that jumped out for me um, for the same reasons you said. But, you know, also to prevent... uh former editor Jill Grote from strangling me. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like I would have, in my personal list, uh, I haven't played Xenoblade. That's the only one in this list I haven't played at all, so I can't speak to that. But I feel like Stray, as much as I do like that game, I think it might have gotten a nod because of the mainstream coverage that game got. Like, that game was a bit of a phenomenon of, like, people sharing, hey, this is my pet, reacting to this game. And, like, local like non-gaming news was covering that game so we're like what's this crazy cat game that's got the internet on (laughs) fire it's also one that a lot of people played because it's not super long it came out during a lull you know like i think it just got widely played which is why i think it ended up on that list but i'm making a lot of assumptions yeah Yeah, i like straight yeah i just think personally like neon white and tunic and vampire survivors are embody that stronger than that game yeah, that's I, fair. I would have cut personally like Plague Tale and Stray and probably tossed in one of the two of those three. But that's me. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Well, let's move on to best game direction. Now, typically we see a lot of the same entries between these two categories. Uh, according to the Game Awards, best game direction is awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation and in game direction and design. So the nominees are Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. And when I look at when I look at the the category description, 
I feel like, now don't come for me, but it's awarded for the outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. I just feel like for me, like Horizon, I don't know if that really fits here. It just felt like, how you know, could you? I know. No, I, I actually am. <laughs> the game 100%. no one mentioned in the game of the year discussion. I, yeah. yeah. I, Horizon's fine, but it, yeah, it's not. I was certainly wouldn't call it innovative. Meme. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know. Would you say the same, Kyle, about God of War? Because I feel like it's in yeah. the same kind of boat. Not, and I love both of those games, but mm. I, I love one of those games. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, th- I think that's a great point. Like Ragnarok isn't super innovative either. But when you think of like the, and, and it's the, it's the word direction. I think that sort of throws everybody off because it's like God of War does feel like a really well directed game because it's so cinematic and it's so performance driven. And I think that's why Immortality probably made it on that list as well, because it's literally about directing performances, right? But yeah, I mean, it's I wouldn't go so far as to call Ragnarok an innovative game, certainly, no. Yeah, I always look at it as like innovative design, too, of like, this game does some really neat things that maybe you don't see that often, which, that's why when I saw Immortality, I was like, oh, good. Like, I mean, yes, it's Sam Barlow kind of doing the thing he's done before, but it's still like enough of a spin to where like, yeah, I think it warrants a spot, but this is another one where i'm like oh this feels like tunic got a little <laughs> snubbed again because the the game direction like the stuff with the 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 manual i think is such a cool idea because the whole game centers around that so in a way that i was like yeah you could probably bump horizon for that i'll take that manual over an admittedly very good glider yeah a game that i think is sorely missing here would be something like Rollerdrome. i feel like that really embodies this category um creative vision and innovation like it's it's doing weird stuff and it's like really sure about itself and like what a cool what a cool concept for a game and great execution uh i also think of something like like kirby or pokemon legends arceus could also fit well in this slot i think they kind of embody some of that like i think kirby is just like one of the it's just super creative sure it's it's a 3d platformer but like a lot of those like Kirby transformations and like puzzle solving. I, I really enjoyed that game, but maybe it doesn't hang with, you know, stuff like Elden Ring and immortality and stuff like that. But um, I think this is another category just while we're, <laughs> we're talking about it, just throwing tunic in on everything and also throwing neon white in on everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. A game that like takes a very specific direction and goes like all in on it. like that game knows exactly what it is the whole time you're playing it and i really appreciate that like sometimes i don't know like a, a horizon game not that it doesn't know what it's doing but it, it's treading a path that's been tread before to see something take a concept and just run with it in a completely opposite direction of a lot of other things you see going on i think is just really admirable and to do that yeah. successfully yeah. yeah can i also say real quick that this is the worst part about this time of year is having to talk bad about games i enjoy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah definitely right. Yeah, that's yeah. Horizon. I I feel like even already I'm coming off as some Horizon hater. It's like I played and beat that game. I had a good time. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's move on to best narrative. uh, For this one's pretty simple. uh, For outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game, Uh, Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality. I'm a hate now. Oh, I'm. I got. Um. How is Norco? Or Citizen Sleep are not even on this list. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. me, those are two of the best narratives of the year. Norco, my personal favorite of the year. And it's 
kind of wild to me that neither of them made the cut. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. I think it's one of those situations where not enough people have played them, unfortunately, since it is an aggregation of, you know, a lot of different judges and, and outlets and sites and all of that. I think both are on our list, right? Yeah, they yeah. were. They were. I say this to absolve us. A lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to absolve us of any criticism. Like, don't look at us. <laughs> <laughs> we were cool, Marcus. You can say it. Yes. This is um, these like first few categories are like the least interesting to me. I always think like uh, they're very like broad and like over sweeping. I don't know what the right word would be, but, but yeah. I mean, one thing's sure. I need to play immortality apparently. Uh, because that's been in every category, I think, thus far. I I played it because of the last GI show I was on when Mark. Yeah, was I added about. it to my list. It's so cool. I I like sat down the next day and I was like, all right, I'll see what this game is about. And then like it was the only thing I played for three days, and then I beat it. Can I ask Charles? Like, is it is it scary? Uh. It's absolutely scary. Um, <laughs> Marcus was like, "It's not really a horror game, and it's not." But like, uh, uh, not not to spoil again. Like the whole thing is, is once you spoil, I think one of the main things about the game, it kind of loses its touch. But to me, finding that thing was very scary, and I think it's not. It's not like it's not scary in the way of like you know a monster jumps out and there's some like I, I, it's scary in the way of like stumbling onto a thing you weren't supposed to find and being like oh this is this is freaky this kind of startled me um but it's never a thing that <laughs> it's never a thing that happens to you accidentally you know it's a it's a thing you'll do purposefully i it's really hard to talk about this game without. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's not monsters. You're not. You're not signing yeah. up for Resident Evil. No, 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 no. It's uh, it, it's un. I feel better then. At times. Okay. Yeah. I feel better if it's not a monster. It's That's also the farther you go. Like it's not gonna come out at you all at once. It's the more monster. like the 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 uh, uh, metaphorical monster here. Um, yeah. I Me. mean, we look at the biggest <laughs> monsters every day in the mirror. That's yep. Damn. Yep. It really makes you think. Yeah. Uh, anything to say before we move on to best art direction? Uh, Elden Ring, weird choice for narrative. As much as I like that game, um, yeah, feels weird. I think you could say I think like world building and yeah. I, I'm not saying that strength. like the, there there were elements of that story that I did find interesting, but like it's yeah. just not the thing that hooks me into Elden Ring necessarily. Like it's. I mean, I did like go through a rabbit hole of like lore videos, but yeah. is that the game itself? Narrative is not the same as lore. Yeah. I yeah. And I, I don't, for, I don't yeah. think that necessarily precludes, you know, you having to do your own research as like, a, it's like, Oh, if you had to do your own research, it, it shouldn't count. It's like, if it's fascinating enough to sort of push you to engage in that way, it's, I, I you know, that's, there's something there, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it seems like not the focus of that game to me. So it just felt a little odd, even though I love Elden Ring. All right, uh, best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design in animation. Uh, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, and Stray. So I think Stray, uh, its art style, its art direction is its biggest strength, I think. The, the animations, all the cat animations and just... The art direction of that world, you know, being similar to like the Kowloon World City and, you know, having that like 
I don't know. I really like that game, uh, and that's one of the bigger reasons was the art direction. I haven't played Scorn, so I can't speak to that, but I hear that that's like the game's main attraction is the gooey. Have you have you watched a trailer for Scorn? Yes, I have. I mean, that's it's basically that throughout. It's very focused and specific and strange and weird and admirable. <laughs> Does it ever feel like the the piece of bubble gum is starting to lose its flavor after a few levels because it's so well no it's not long it's not that long really ultimately Mm. and it's like it feels right for that world you know whatever that world is i don't know i spoke to the director and i still don't know what that world is but um it's it's not the kind of game that you're like oh i wish the environment would change it's like (laughs) i am supposed to feel uncomfortable and congratulations i feel uncomfortable um, I think another another shout out to Rollerdrome, but I, I also think uh, Signalis is what I was really hoping would get a nod. Which um, spoiler alert, it's not even mentioned anywhere in any category, which is a bummer. That's you. Uh, you like that game? I thought you didn't like scary stuff. That's pretty spooky, scary. I, I've been, I've been, you know, expanding. Yeah. Resident Evil Village kind of like unlocked the the scary in me. You oh, know. Okay. Yeah, I, I finished Signalis like a week ago for the first time. I, I played it and I enjoyed it. I haven't finished it yet, but I have spent a lot of time just walking around and appreciating that super cool art style. I love how it switches from like the 2D look to, you know, walking into those first person 3D areas. I just did um uh, like one of the um the door opening puzzles and like just the way that that, that all looked too. So cool. Um, anything you all feel like, does this feel right to you? Is it, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, this is a weird one. I, like art direction is always hard. Cause I mean, I mean, technically all of these are subjective, like all the categories are, but this is like the most it's, I don't think any of these games are undeserving. Like there isn't one that I see and go like, what? It's so it's like, eh, it's fine. I, I can go with it. Maybe the only one is like horizon. Cause I don't, I think people or maybe even this category kind of combines art direction with like graphical prowess. And I think I, I forget the description does say that it counts for both of those. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying that horizon doesn't have like a great art direction. I think it does, but there are some stuff where like, I've always thought the tribe designs in both those games was kind of bad. <laughs> like just how everyone kind of looks. Like, everyone yeah. kind of looks. I love, I love the way stupid. the robots look. I don't like yeah. the fashion of that world so much. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, and it just, it's like, nah, I just don't like it. But I mean, that also is, from a fidelity standpoint, is one of the most stunning games I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I, I do wonder if, given more time, uh, or maybe it's recency bias, if, if Pentiment, which we'll talk about later, and Somerville both would have had a chance to make that list. Somerville looks amazing. And what I've seen of Pentiment, Charles, you can speak to this. I think it's just really unique and interesting. Yeah, I, I think I think as a like personally when i think of art direction the stuff that stands out to me is the stuff that looks like different and interesting not necessarily like uh, uh technically good and i think that's why some some of the games on here feel out of place where like for me when i remember a really good looking game like i think of the manual and tunic or i think of the cool the the book style of pentiment but i not yeah and, and again not to say that these games look bad because they are all fantastic and and the vast majority of games <laughs> look very good um so yeah 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 i think um I, w- I was looking at other games that i played this year that i really 
enjoyed the art style of. And I was thinking about Sifu. I really liked the way that uh, how its art direction worked with the aging system. And just overall, I think the game was like really cool looking. Um, even though I had a lot of problems with other aspects of it, I, I, I really enjoyed that kind of hooked me. Cool. Well, let's move on to the next category. Uh, best score in music or outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. Uh, we've got A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Metal Hellsinger, which I'm glad they put in there, uh, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I can only really speak to two of these, but Elden Ring, man, that opening stinger main menu just hits you. First time you hear that, oof. Uh, and then, you know, Metal Hellsinger, I think, is just like, uh, I think I like the audio design of that game more so than the actual music. Like the fact that, you know, everything is layered upon uh, on top of each other uh, and like the way that you unlock new music tracks by performing and getting a higher score and it all layering on top of each other. I mean, it, it is good music, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, it's very um, polarizing. I don't know. I, I, I like metal, but like it's you're definitely getting a metal a uh, metal album. It's an acquired taste. Yeah, acquired taste. Are all the songs in that game, or most of them, like licensed? Or were they all? Or is there some original music in that game? I don't remember. I believe they're all original, but feature. Um, like, they're all composed by Two Feathers, the alias of the composer, okay. and they featured people like Serge Tankian and, and other, you know, heavy heavy metal singers. But I believe they're all original. Okay. Yeah, this is one where I can only really speak to three. I did play a little bit of Metal Hill Singer, but not enough to really weigh in. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is the one where I'm the most sort of indifferent because of that. Of like, yeah, the games I see here, or like the three that I played, God of War, Elden Ring, and Plague like those have good soundtracks. I enjoy them. Surprised to not see Splatoon 3, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also personally made a push for Cursed to Golf. <laughs> Just because I really love that game's <laughs> nice. soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually... uh. Neon White, that feels like that should be here, too. Yeah. I, really, I personally really like Neon's White's soundtrack. Um, I also, uh, this is another spot of Kirby. Kirby is a banging soundtrack. Um, although I will, I do also want to specifically say, not that God of War doesn't get love, but I am a big fan of the Bear McCreary God of War soundtrack. And my <laughs> my brother has a very specific take, taste in music where like most of his uh, playlists are just movie and video game scores and so he listens to the 2018 god of war soundtrack constantly and this game came out and he's like nice there's a new god of war soundtrack i can listen to um, <laughs> you should play the game too it's a good game <laughs> he doesn't have a ps5 but yeah i think i um i would have really loved to see halo here honestly i played a lot of halo infinite and i mean halo is always known for its music but i felt like this soundtrack was like especially good and kind of updated in some cool ways um but yeah I think it's worth mentioning that halo infinite is in contention for awards because of the cutoff from last year in case yeah. people are like tilting their heads like why would he mention halo that was last year it's like eh, it came yeah. out after last year's cutoff which it's in that cursed spot of like having to remember it for this year <laughs> yeah exactly moving on best audio design weird that metal Hellsinger isn't here um but Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West. Oh yeah, Gran Turismo 7. 
<laughs> hey, they sound it. like cars, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. You know how much <laughs> they probably took a microphone to like hundreds of real life cars. To... I just yeah, forgot yeah. Gran Turismo Seven was that recent. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Modern Warfare sounds good. I feel like that was the strength of Modern Warfare One, parentheses twenty nineteen as well. <laughs> that I mean, I remember like when the the kill streaks would come in, like I. I would felt like I had to like shutter myself and like shelter myself from whatever was dropping because it was so might've just been like loud, but <laughs> uh, our brain sometimes tricks us thinking loud is good. This is, this is another place where I wonder given enough time and people playing it, I think Somerville might've had a chance in audio design. Cause I think that's mm. one of the highlights of that game is how it sounds. Uh, let's cruise. We're only there's we're around seven out of 31. So let's try to cruise best performance. Uh, awarded to an individual for voiceover, acting, motion, and or performance capture. Uh, Ashley Birch in Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, Charlotte McBurney in A Plague Tale Requiem. Christopher Judge in God of War Ragnarok. Man and Gage in Immortality. And Sonny Soljic in God of War Ragnarok. Who, who He's all Sonny? in God of War. Yeah. Sonny is, uh, is... Atreus? Okay, yeah. I didn't know the actual name. Okay. Which, honestly, that surprised me. I, I I thought he was very good in that game, you know Atreus, Sonny, but I do think it's like the weakest performance in the game. Um, I think puberty made yeah, him suffer. I mean, he... maybe, but it wasn't. It, it didn't hold back the game or anything. I wasn't like, oh my god, he's bad. It was just like when you got everyone turning in A plus work, he was turning in like B plus work. Is how I felt. I I really wanted to see Odin, uh, or yeah. um, or Freya, the actor, who, the actress who played Freya, um, on 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 that list from the God of War folks. But uh, Christopher Judge is very good too. Oh yeah, and for Horizon, I wanted to see either the actresses that played Zoe or Alva over. Uh, not that Ashley, like Ashley Burch is great yeah, as great. Aloy, but it was kind of just like, oh, it's more Aloy, you know. I guess the more interesting version is like, oh, she had to play Beta, which is like a totally different character and different personality, which, you know, I would have been down for that. But, well, I did say who it was. <laughs> but yeah, I would have liked to see Zora Alba's performances get the nod. Moving on to games for impact. Uh, this is for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Um, these always are, this is always a weird category. Uh, a memoir blue, As Dusk Falls. Citizen Sleeper, Endling, Extinction is Forever. I wonder what that game's about. That's the uh, Fox game, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hindsight, uh, and I was a teenage exocolonist. God, Hindsight came out. Oh, man. This is the first category I've played none of these games. Not not that I haven't <laughs> heard good things about them, but maybe, maybe that I, says something really bad about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I played uh, Citizen Sleeper, and I, I really like that. Three of them. I played the top three. Yeah, this is always a weird one of like, are you, like, this is a personal thing of like, which of these games felt like, gave had the most impact for <laughs> yeah. me of like, they made yeah. me feel the most like, good or maybe were, did the most service to humanity at large, which I don't, I don't know <laughs> what that means sometimes. Yeah. Just looking at some of these, I'm like, I guess, like, as dust falls, don't commit crimes <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know yeah, just um, games that are trying to say something i guess right like yeah yeah i always try to play games that don't say anything you know <laughs> tetris yeah, you're, you're the guy that's always shouting keep politics out of my games <laughs> that's right that is me <laughs> best ongoing game 
pretty self-explanatory. These are games that have released in previous years, but have, you know, been kept alive through developer support. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Fortnite. I feel like for me, the top, yeah, Fortnite is for me. Um, I, feel like I, played that, f- I played that today. It's probably Fortnite or Final Fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, don't yeah. underestimate those Genshin people, man. They're out there. That's true. I see. I see tweets about it. I mean, Fortnite with the, the between the no build mode and Dragon Ball Land, like those are like the two best things to happen this year. <laughs> I forgot no build mode came out this year. Yeah, that I feel like changed wins the game. this category for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm mean, quite literally. They added Rocket League to Fortnite today. What? I saw that. You yeah. Can drive up walls. That's nuts. This game is ridiculous. Love there it. should be a most ridiculous games category, and Fortnite should win every year. Sponsored by ridiculousness. Yeah, it's most ridiculous yeah. category presented by Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, they present. Okay. Well, if they yeah, present. It wouldn't be win. fair. <laughs> yeah, <you know>. That's <laughs> Present an award their own special. Uh, presented by Tim Sweeney. <laughs> he just complains about Apple. <laughs> I know you guys know I'm wacky and I'm ridiculous. Hey, there's an old documentary of him climbing up in a tree in his backyard. You can track that down. Best Indie, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. There's Tunic. There's Tunic. Yeah. Best Indie is, is like the, where they add like the fan voted. Uh, there's like, mm-hmm. a, 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 they added a new category at the Oscars. I can't remember what it's called, but it's <laughs> it, it's frustrating a certain way of like, here and you go you guys get your own little pocket here as if yeah, like, like go play over here yeah like for me some of those games were like my favorite games of the whole year best feels student film to to. yeah <laughs> as if as if like the genres are you know action adventure racing and indie like the yeah yeah and i think it's silly yeah. but and that's been a criticism of the game awards pretty much since like why can an indie just be the best game why does it and that's what always makes me nervous is like, oh, if a game, an indie game I really like, if it wins best indie, then it's not going to win game of the year mm-hmm. if it, or if it's even nominated. Hades was a big one for me for that of like Hades is game of the year material, but it because I guess it's indie, it can't shatter mm-hmm. that ceiling and go any higher. Yeah, it's annoying. But uh, I'm sorry, I want to reiterate that Citizen Sleeper is getting so snubbed <laughs> so far and no mention whatsoever in anything. Not even best indie, which I would. No, it was up for games, games for impact. impact. Oh, that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, best debut indie. I feel like we've talked a lot about our favorite indies, but Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, Vampire Survivors. There it is. There's, there you go. Norco and Vampire Survivors. Uh, no Signalis again on this list, which is a bummer. Is Neon White uh, a or debut? Roller Drum? Really? I mean, I don't know. I, no. I didn't include it in ours right? because of that. It's like, this yeah. has been Esposito's. It's absolutely not. He's Almost, made so many games. But is it his studio, with his team? The team, like the, uh, what are they called? Angel Matrix? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I was like, is, I, I, that has to be what they're they're going by. But they, yeah, I intentionally left it off of our list because I was like, well, it's technically not Ben's first game, and he's kind of the lead on this. I guess. Yeah. Because Donut County was the the first yeah. one, right? But I guess I guess it's Well, no, he's also done he's done a lot. Different team, different developer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and not the hate on Neon White, I mean. No, no, not at all. It no, it's great. It deserves all the awards it can get, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a semantics argument of it's like what is indie, quote unquote, what is debut? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What is video games? What is video games? I know he also worked on Bubsy3D.com, <laughs> um, a browser game. Yeah, that was up for Games for Impact the year. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bubsy 3D, Bubby, Bubsy visits the James Terrell retrospective is an unofficial sequel to the original Bubsy 3D. It's an educational game inspired by the James Terrell retrospective. Uh, yeah, it's also secretly an MMO. Apparently, I'm looking all at right. Ben Esposito's secretly. weird, <laughs> weird website of video games. Um, all right, let's keep going. Um, uh, I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna skip that one. Wait, best mobile? One. Yeah, best mobile. One, one thing I want to say. Oh yeah, you go first, Marcus. Please. No, I was just gonna say that I I didn't I regret not putting this in our list because I it just oversight. But Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel best mobile. Just gonna say it's not there. I think it. Yeah. Well, I mean, right, right before Game Informer, I was at GameSpot, and my title—I was the mobile guy. Like they started, they kicked up this initiative to cover mobile games. So for a couple months there, that was I was covering mobile games exclusively. And the thing that kind of bums me out about this list is like most of these, uh, with the exception of well, I guess Apex Legends Mobile is the only one that isn't also on PC. Like all these games are also on PC. Where I would have liked to see something like Point P. Which is like Point the B. yeah, like the Towerfall creators' new game that was released via Netflix was fantastic. I love Point P. I think it, it was the the Downwell creator. Oh, did, what did I say? Towerfall. You said Towerfall. Yes, but you are correct, Charles. It is the yeah, it's uh, Downfall, Downfall, Downwell. Downwell. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know then, if I said Downwell or Downfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I would have liked to see more stuff like that. You know, Point P, like dedicated mobile experiences that are made for mobile. So. Uh, so that's a little bit of a bummer, but um, those are good games. Marvel Snap's taking over the world, man. Yeah, I've yeah. been playing it. I finally jumped on the wagon with you guys. Heck yeah. Um, What do we want to talk about? Best action? Best action adventure? Wait. Best role playing? What are you thinking? Wait, God of War's not in best action? I think yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I just, I just noticed that. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess okay. We'll talk about that. Uh, best action is Bayonetta 3, Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Sifu, and TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Interesting. I, I'm not saying I understand the action. I just thought it would just be in both, honestly. <laughs> uh, best action adventure, Playtale Requiem. That seems odd. Yeah, uh, God of War Ragnarok. Very... <laughs> God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, Tunic. Yeah, solid. Huh. Very, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this, is this one of those years where you're like, maybe there should just be a straight up adventure category? Yeah, I think there mm. should be, or like, I don't. Yeah, but then that implies point and click, you know, and it's like it's. I mean, we have to be the change we want to see. That's true, Kyle. Yeah, I agree. We need to be the <laughs> that, games, for games for impact. <laughs> <laughs> Best role playing: Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Triangle Strategy and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Sure. Sure. Triangle Strategy. I haven't played it. I thought that was more pure strategy than. I had to edit the review on that one and was not a fan based on the review footage I had. I was like, this is too much, too much talking, which maybe makes it a good RPG. Uh, You know? Yeah. I guess there was a lot of like political intrigue and stuff, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Best fighting game. This is an interesting one. Uh, DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R, King of Fighters 15, Multiverses, and Sifu. 
Which Sifu is in a fighting game, which is yeah, that's very I mean, weird. It's, that's funny. It shows kind of reflective of the year in fighting games, right? I mean, you could have put Rumbleverse on there. I, like that's more of one. I put it on ours. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that would have... I don't remember if the description said something like you could put like single player or non-traditional fighting games. Hold on, I'm going I'm to find but, out. Like, Here we go. Um, I mean, it feels like this category is always weird of like, if it's not a year when one of the big fighting games comes out, then it's kind of like, uh, here's the, here's right? the, the description for best fighting is for the best game designed primarily around head to head combat. I see seafood is not a head to head combat. I mean, that's every <laughs> multiplayer game, like Call of Duty <laughs> yeah, is designed yeah. around head to head But I mean, Jojo is a re-release of a game that came out 10 years ago. It's not a new game. I mean, I get it's going to. I, I I guess it comes down to really DNF Duel, King of Fighters. You could have. And- I, I saw some online people were saying like, well, you could have done like, Guilty Gear Strive Season Two or something if you're really hurting on you know things to things to add to the list. Yeah. Do you want to set that precedent though of like a game seasons can be <laughs> nominated yeah. individually? I just can't wait for Tunic to be included in best racing game. Personally, <laughs> <for> speedrunning. <laughs> um. Best family game, sure. Immortality. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got Kirby, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, Marvel, not Marvel, Rabbids, Mario plus Rabbids. <laughs> I would play that. Nintendo Switch Sports, Splatoon 3. I, I think my family would like those. Uh, Kyle, you're the only one with uh, with a, a family. Mm. The rest of us the are, best of us know, here. The rest I'm of us orphan. are alone. We're all alone. Uh, what's it like having a family, Kyle, oh that gosh. plays video games together? You, it's it's uh, amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, the uh, only daughter, game I play with my, my family is Fortnite. Turned her nose at all of these, uh, except for Splatoon three. She did play a match of Splatoon three with me. So, if we're going off of her interest, Splatoon three, clear winner here. My wife also loved Splatoon three, the first game she's played since Animal Crossing. Mario <laughs> Rabbids. I get why it's there because it's Mario, but like. Am I going to sit with my family like, hey, you guys want to watch me slowly plot out my, t- my turns for like a half hour? I mean, hey, y'all, check out check out yeah. this uh, the way this Mario rabbit speaks. It is odd. It's a it's a strictly single player game. It's weird to have that for family. Think, but, you know, I would I would just assume family is like, you know, E10 plus and lower rating. You can have yeah. it on while your kids are in the background. Yeah, I'm, I'm or a less- kid could play it. A kid could run up to be like, do you want to watch me play Splatoon 3? <laughs> and you're like, I, I guess. I, I'm less offended by Mario Rabbids here than I am Sifu in Best Fighting. I'll, let me just say that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best multiplayer. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Multiversus, Overwatch 2, Splatoon 3, Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, I don't feel like there's anything missing there. Any... I'm looking at my, my list. Yeah. Uh... Elden Ring has multiplayer. Honestly, I mean, and it is interesting. Serious, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, people did play the game. I played a lot more Elden Ring multiplayer than year than anything else on here, with the exception of maybe Splatoon. I did play a fair bit of Splatoon, but should it be in fighting too? Because you can fight other players head to head in Elden Ring. <laughs> when they invade your game, you're, those are more intense than any fighting game battle. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> they should have a non-fighting game category. Is what there should be. Like, I feel like you could Everything categorize else. most of these as ones where you fight other players or characters. Yeah. I haven't played Overwatch 2 yet um, or Splatoon 3, even though I do love Splatoon. Uh, 
I like seeing Shredder's Revenge get the nod, even though it's pretty much just yeah, game's fun. old school multiplayer. But having if you get a full party of six players, it is very fun chaos. I'm looking at the rest of the categories. I think we we can call it there. You don't want to talk I'll about best. You want our most anticipated? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Most anticipated. This will be the last one. Tears of the Kingdom and a few others. Like what else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> best, most anticipated, presented by Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's Fantasy how I feel. Like, this right? is like that's... such a weird category again. Like it just kind of like it's kind of more marketing than anything, right? Yeah. It's like a weird like like survey for developers to be like are, are we doing a good job marketing our yeah. game they didn't vote us for most anticipated final fantasy 16 hogwarts legacy resident evil 4 starfield and the only game that matters the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i'm surprised hogwarts made it should have a category called most conflicted feelings yeah <laughs> 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 most anticipated game i won't talk about publicly i was about to say game you won't admit <laughs> you played publicly you'll never yeah. know we played this um <laughs> i guess yeah i mean it, it's zelda's up against like like starfield and final fantasy are like they're not nothing um mm -hmm. but do you want to predict where you think people will go i'll i'm not even gonna predict i'm gonna tell you it's gonna go tears <laughs> of the gate <laughs> you think the starfield it's got it's got a lot of buzz out there but all right you're probably right, though. I don't know. We'll see. I let's, let's save this clip and just put it side by side with the announcement of Starfield winning. <laughs> <laughs> I realize we didn't do predictions this year, so no steak dinners on the line. Oh no! Thank God, man. I, my wallet can't handle it. <laughs> well, you just got the you have to shut the win, Alex. <laughs> uh, that's, I, I forgot that's an option. I always lose. <laughs> You're just so generous with steak. It's true. Yeah. Let's move on uh, to topic of the week. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is finally coming out. Uh, myself, Charles, and Kyle have been playing it. Marcus wishes he was cool enough to play it. Um, but uh, yeah, what what do we think about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? I've been playing Violet. What have you been playing, Charles? I have Scarlet. And how about you, Kyle? Scarlet. Me and Charles are cool. Okay. Yeah. I wish I would have gotten Scarlet. But uh, that's not how the cookie crumbled. So... I have played about probably four to five hours of this game. I have like, I've opened up the world um, kind of, it kind of starts in a more, you know, linear fashion and then get to a certain point and you can kind of go and tackle the game and its content and whatever really order you wish. Um, so you can go and, you know, go do side stuff. You can go just tackle the, you know, go tackle the, the gyms. You can go and collect Pokemon, but yeah, I kind of just went about the normal way of like, I'm going to go like start with some gems. And I kind of went in the direction that uh, they kind of point you in um, to the west, which is like the olive farm area. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. been there. That's kind of the direction I went in. Um, and so far it's been like, it's been cool. I, I think this game has a lot of technical issues. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, it's no. kind of like a big distraction, unfortunately. Frame rate's not great. Yeah, yeah I, not great. I will say there isn't there a day one patch that we haven't played yet. So I, I think in the email the way it's worded is that there is a patch that will be available day one, but it came out last Friday. So oh, it is there now. I played it before that patch, and it was 
rougher than it is now. So that did smooth them things out. Um, but yeah, I was going to say I'm a big fan of Pokemon. I played a lot of Pokemon games. Um, and this is probably the first one where like the technical issues and just the way it looks have kind of been enough to like put me off of it a little. Like, I think it's a good a good move to go to the open world. I think it's like an interesting decision. But um, a lot of the times, like like in Breath of the Wild, if you see, you know, the mountains in the distance, you're like, oh, what a what a pretty view. And here, like I see the mountains in the distance. and I'm like, oh, it's like some like brown blobs. And I don't know enough about like graphics and art to say like what needs to change in it. But I just feel like it doesn't look that good. And it's I'm upset to have that opinion. A lot of times when you catch a Pokemon on a hill, the camera will clip into the ground as it gets in the Pokeball. That's happened to me pretty reliably like a dozen times. If Um, you catch a Pokemon in the water, uh, the Pokeball will be like doubled. Like there'll be. Yeah. Yeah. In the weird. Yeah. Yeah. For all that being said, though, I do like the openness of it. Right. I like that it all takes place sort of like I almost would take the camera clipping uh to be able to sort of have everything take place on in the actual environment in terms of like mm. fighting and catching the Pokemon and stuff. And I also love that like you can kind of just instantly defeat Pokemon and get experience without having to enter a match. That's like a game changer for me. That was like a really that's like that was very, very exciting. I love that. Me too. Yeah, so there's a I think you pressed like the right bumper or something and it'll send out your partner Pokemon, which you can you know, change uh, in the menu. And uh, yeah, it, it will go off. It will collect items for you so you don't have to run and get them. It will go and attack enemies and the determination. It's like an auto battle. So it's based on like, I guess, the type and strength of the Pokemon fighting. I've never, I, I haven't had a situation where I've ever lost one of those. I think what? You might lose some health. Yeah. Your Pokemon might lose some health, but that's about it. I will say there's been a couple times where I've like stumbled upon some like actually tough Pokemon. There's some that like kind of shine in the sky. There'll be like a pillar of light somewhere in the open world and you can go and fight them. And they're like, I think they're just like higher level or I forget. I think that they have like cool terror types. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So I guess that's one of the main new mechanics is the, Terrastalation, terratalation, terrastalizing is how I terastalizing. Thank you. I didn't have the word in front of me. Terastalizing, <laughs> um, which which turns your Pokemon into a crystallized version with this very silly giant crown on their head. What? And the crown could be like a giant heart or like a giant candelabra if it's like a flame type. Can it be tilted like Biggie Smalls? I have seen that, yeah, on Snorlax. What? Yeah. Oh, oh, Snorlax, of course. <laughs> yeah, his his uh his Terra type is actually Biggie, <laughs> but because he's a big guy, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but the interesting thing, and I haven't really messed around too much with this yet, but your Pokemon can have like their normal form, right? Their normal type. And then when you terrestrialize them, they can turn into a new type or like their 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 powers, like flamethrower, flame for instance, could suddenly be imbued with like another energy type, if I'm so interpreting that right. I think I think it's slightly different. Okay. Um 
So usually a Pokemon's Terra type, just a normal Pokemon you catch in the wild, is just going to be its main type or like one of its two types. I don't know how that's determined if it's like sure. a normal flying type. Um, but there's some Pokemon you can get from like Terra Raid battles or like the shiny ones. Um, and they'll have an alternate Terra type where when you activate it now, so I caught, or you know what? I don't want to say Pokemon that I caught. Let's just say, for example, uh, uh, Sprigatito is like one of the starter Pokemon. If theoretically you got a cool Sprigatito that was a Terra type, it's normally a grass type, but then you could terrestrialize it and say, make it like a dragon type. Oh. Um, which is really cool because Will its moves be subbed out. The moves are the same. It's just it's defensive type changes, but then it also gets same type attack bonus if it uses like a dragon move. And I think that's really cool because um, I feel like we've gotten, you know, Dynamaxing and Z moves and even to a certain extent, like Mega Evolution is all very much like you got a Pokemon and now they're bigger and do more damage. And I'm I'm interested to see how this uh, uh, comes out competitively to be like, well, you know, everyone knows the best counter to, you know, a Groudon is a water type move. But what if I've got a Groudon with a Terra type that's grass? Like, what are you going to do now? How is that going to change, you know, the meta and your strategy or, um, you know, you just I, I think it's really cool to to make up for like a type weakness and to psych out your opponent by changing something else. But it, you have to go through some work to get a Pokemon of a different Terra type. Most of the time, it's just the same type. So that's cool. The The open world nature of it, I'm of two minds. I find myself running through areas. I'll like see what Pokemon around and then I'll just kind of like, I mean, I'll just kind of run around battle. Like I do kind of, there's a certain element of surprise that is now missing and I, I did kind of like that of the random battles back in the day. It was like, you really never know what's on the other side of that battle screen. And sometimes it's a really surprising uh, Pokemon that like, oh, it's I got, you know, there's a Pikachu in Viridian Forest. I got super lucky here. Whereas I feel like I don't really have that same sense since all of the Pokemon are in the environment. And also all of the Pokemon, I mean, the textures and everything of the open world just look uh, not not great. Uh, and so it's just like, and also some Pokemon are like minuscule. Yeah. I'm it's like, hard I to can't, see. I've like accidentally run over Pokemon that I didn't even know were there. They're so small. Is it weird that I kind of like that though? I don't know. It feels, it, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just an observation. Like even the first couple that I caught, I remember cause they're all accurate sized in the world. So I was like, Oh, look at that little guy. I don't think I have him. And then, you know, the, you can walk up to him is how you catch them as opposed to throwing your your Pokemon at them. So like that was something that I actually was like, I like this. It makes the world feel more real when they're, when they're the right sizes, you know, I am excited to see how the big ones are going to look. Mm. Cause I haven't seen those yet. How does the open world design compare to uh Arceus better or worse? I like it better. I, um, I don't like it as much because so I, I feel like the open world I wish it scaled properly. It doesn't really do that. I tried, I made it a mission to be like, what if I go to a gym that like seems pretty far away and I try to explore over there? Definitely, definitely way too high level. Um, the Pokemon over there were, were too high. So I came back and then it becomes a weird thing of like, I almost felt like I needed to figure out the order the game wanted me to do the things in so that my Pokemon were at the appropriate level. Cause sometimes you use something and it's like, a little too hard then you go back and it's like oh i'm over leveled for this now and the thing i at least like about legend arceus is it's it's in the little you know pockets of the world that you go visit but at least it it feels like you're in the correct spot every time you're there yeah i like that it feels like 
there's like a real sense of place i feel like yeah i would say so yeah yeah like i it's really cool to be like okay well i'm gonna head head over to the next town and in between is like this giant open area and i can i can go to that town if i want or i could just like bypass it and that's a cool feeling like whereas you know obviously in other pokemon games like if that's on the path it's on the path you know i really i really like that i like um i like the starters um for one i really i picked play coco um i think i'm like one level away from uh the fire one it's that he just he's got like the big dumb smile yeah okay yeah i went with him the too. fire croc pokemon he's like the uh, not, i think I'm, he's the not cute one i feel like yeah but <laughs> he reminds me of totodile a little bit sure yeah um and i think i'm one level from hitting my mid-tier evolution on way coco and i'm very excited to see what that looks like i have i'm up to the i'm up to the olive town gym leader i don't know their name um but it's like the grass bug type i think bug type i think um bug yeah yeah and one thing i noticed about like the open world was like I was going through a lot of orchards and like, there's a lot of like uh small or I think that's the, the right Pokemon. I think we can talk about that one. Small And I was like, bleep it out just to be safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything that's not Pikachu, just bleep out. <laughs> and it was really cool. So I was like, Oh, okay. I'm getting it now. Like this, this town is like, they, their whole thing is like growing olives. And like, so there's like a pre gym challenge. In order to to fight the gym leader, you have to beat a, a certain challenge, which includes rolling a giant olive through an obstacle course. And if you want to unlock shortcuts in the obstacle course, you can fight um, trainers. And you have to like prove yourself before being able to, to to fight the gym leader. Was that a mechanic introduced in Sword and Shield? I'm trying to think. Where it was or is that? It was like puzzles almost. Yeah, I think that might have been Sun and Moon actually well, yeah. really that far that yeah. long ago wow i don't know it, it, it was it was fun i haven't fought any gym leaders yet i i just finished the challenge and then we had to podcast <laughs> so tbd on like challenge and that kind of thing but i kind of picked the easy one because i'm rocking a fire type but but yeah charles you're a little further into the game what are your thoughts on stuff that's a little later on yeah, for, first I want to say I feel like I've I've been jumping in to say all the things I dislike about the game. <laughs> I do fair, fair. I do enjoy this game. I have had a good time with it, and I think I think my vibe of it right now is if you like Pokemon and you're interested in trying out a new style of Pokemon game where it's a little bit more open world, I think you're probably gonna like it. I think I think there's at a certain point now, if you're a Pokemon fan. You kind of know <laughs> if you're once you buckle in and you you get a few hours in, you're like, all right, I'm invested. I'm going to play this game. And that's kind of the vibe I have from this and what I have from the yeah. last number of Pokemon games. We talked about seeing the Pokemon in the open world. Um, there's something really cool about I don't I don't know a lot of these Pokemon. I'm, I'm almost surprised by the number I've seen that I haven't seen in like a trailer or something because I've been oh, that's writing them up. And there's something really cool about like seeing a Pokemon in the distance being like, what is that? And then getting close to being like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what this is. This is a cool new Pokemon I found. And that joy, I have just never like felt in a Pokemon game before. I don't know if I'm just always so plugged in and I just know what all the new ones are or what it is. But like, 
I've caught like two or three of like some of my new favorite Pokemon because I just saw them in the distance and I was like, oh my gosh, what is that cool thing? Oh, that's exciting. I also, I can't say what it is. I don't think, I don't think it's been revealed, but I'll tell you, I caught a shiny on the first route in my first hour of gameplay, full odd shiny. And I was like, okay, okay. Pokemon. I have a question. Is it? How do you know it's a shiny? Did it just look different? Was there an, like, it's, an aura it's about a it? It's turning Pokemon. Okay. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't remember specifically what Pokemon we can can't say are in it. So I, I didn't want to be specific. Yeah. But like, is there, do shiny Pokemon in this game, like have a aura around them? So, you know, it's a shiny from a distance. Gotcha. I did not. I, okay. what I did was I threw the Pokeball at it. I actually thought at first it was like a regional form. I was like, oh, cool. It's like a Paldean version of this Pokemon. And then I started to battle with it, and then I got like the sparks that was like, I'm a shiny. So once oh, cool. you start the battle, you'll know. Okay. So don't accidentally have your Pokemon auto battle it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, gosh. Oh, that, that's <laughs> definitely, I give it a week, and we're going to have fear some, unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss some all the viral shiny Twitch clip. Because I'm auto battling yeah. everything. I don't want to engage in that turn base. <laughs> Just kill everything. If it's new, I'll want <laughs> But I think you it. get less XP for auto battling, don't you? I don't care. I, yeah. I can do like four auto battles in the time it would take me to do one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It is nice when you're like, oh, I just need to do like Pokemon's almost evolved or almost leveled up. It's like, okay, let me just run around on my mount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like hold that. And yeah. Um, I, I also wanted to say, I think it's an interesting thing. Uh, the trainers in this game are all optional. So you battle trainers now by walking up to them and just talking to them. It's not that they look at you and then you're trapped in a battle. Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that like an old Pokemon route, it would be um, as you're walking along, you can optionally go find the wild Pokemon, but the obstacles are the trainers in your way. And now separate from that, it's the obstacles are there's this tiny bug running across the road. And if you don't want to hit it, you've got to, you know, juke around it and then. Um, optionally, you can go talk to the trainers if you want to do that. So yeah. I actually have gone through whole routes and been like, oh, I didn't fight anyone because I didn't even think to. I'm excited for the no trainer uh, Pokemon runs on <laughs> Twitch. Yes. Where it's like, you know, fighting the, the the gym leader with like a level six Pokemon. One thing I really like about this game, and I, I think it's unfortunate because the technical limitations like hinder its true potential but like in like story moments and uh, just like general, like talking to NPCs and stuff, I feel like there's like a higher quality of like presentation. Like there's some moments where I felt like I was, there was a couple times where I felt like I was playing like a persona game when a character was talking to me, like, and like in the school, right? Um, no spoilers or anything for that. But like when like characters are, when the camera switching between characters that are talking to you, Instead of like them just standing there, everyone kind of standing with a third person camera, you know, and like text boxes just changing, like the way that an there was like a lot of animations in the characters and like the way the camera would like cycle through all those animations and like switch back and forth. It really felt like uh, an evolution of like the series presentation of of characters and story like it stuck out to me. All of that is kind of mired in this, you know. Man, that's a rough looking asset. Um, and oh, that texture is like, looks like it's like an N64 texture. But I think there's a lot of potential here. And I think it's it's definitely time for a new piece of hardware. Yeah. If they're going to continue to try to push the formula forward in that way. I feel like this year, more than any other in the Switch's life cycle, the sentiment of 
man, this thing's getting long in the tooth. This popped up with more and more games this year between this, uh, Bayonetta. Uh, I think even with like the Steam Deck, another handheld that came out that can run games better. Well, that was, yeah, that was the thing for me. But they announced Portal for Switch, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play Portal on my Switch. And then the day it came out, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a Steam Deck now. And I have both <laughs> portals on there already. Like, yeah, I don't need to get this, you know, as much as I would have been really excited about that a year ago. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anything else, Charles, before you're kind of the furthest out of out of all of us. Any, anything else you want to touch on before we move on to the playlist? I think I basically got it on like the my summary would be like there's technical graphical issues. And I think that's a bummer. I think there's a good game kind of buried under there. Um, and I, I mean, I hope they, we get like another patch or two in the first few months after it comes out. Cause I just think it just, it, it is distracting. Like, I think that was, I think Kyle used that word earlier of like, man, it'd be nice if I don't, I personally, Charles, I don't care about graphics. I don't think it should matter if I'm playing a game and I'm catching Pokemon. I don't even want to think about it. It's fine. And the fact that it's come up enough times that I've been like, oh, I wish this looked different is a shame. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to like the out of tune trumpet sound TikToks of of this game that are mm-hmm. definitely gonna be clipped out. Um bop, 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 bop. Exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be stuck in my head all day now. <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh that does it for Pokemon. Let's move on. Um Marcus, you haven't talked in a minute. We've been we've been I'm sorry, we didn't mean to leave you out. It's okay. The the cool people were talking about the cool game of the week. It's fine. Um but let's talk about Harvestella. Hey, so this came out uh, over a week ago now. Um, I've been playing a lot of it. And you might remember seeing it at a Nintendo Direct a few months ago. It was kind of the standout for a lot of people. Yeah. The big head turner of like, what's that uh, RPG farming thing? (laughs) And yeah, it's exactly what I said. It's an action RPG. Kind of combines dungeon crawling with farming and life sim stuff where you play. So this is a, you know, in true JRPG fashion, you play as a character with amnesia who awakens at a small town and you find out huh. that, you know, All right. in addition to the four normal seasons that it has, there is a fifth season called Quietus, which yeah. is the season of death. And it kind of comes in between the normal seasons. Oh. And so this game has a pretty wild plot, actually, in a way that I didn't expect, where on top of you waking up and having no idea who you are, you uh, partner up with a girl who comes from the future, like the future future. <laughs> and she doesn't know why she's there. And, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I got high tech stuff here. I guess I'm in medieval times. What's going on? over? Why am I here? And you guys are basically running buddies for the rest of the game. You live together. You sleep together in separate beds. Uh, <laughs> and potentially maybe form a relationship. I don't know. There's like a whole relationship building system in this game. And you're pretty much trying to figure out who you are and who she is and to try to get her back to her own time on top of like other sort of like save the world stuff at play. Through the power of farming. Yes. And also just maintaining (laughs) like a nice farm on top of everything else. So I love action RPGs. Farming games I've only recently kind of slowly gotten into. Like, I reviewed Ooblets earlier this year. I liked uh, Slime Rancher, which has some farming stuff in it. Never played Stardew, which makes me a fake farming fan. So, 
in terms of like does this game kind of blend those two things well i think for the most part like i'm enjoying the game enough so far i should probably start with that like i think it's an enjoyable game i think it has a lot of flaws though so far i think the action rpg aspect because it's like a job based system like you have like 10 i think jobs that you can swap between you can equip three at a time but i think the combat at its core is pretty vanilla like you you do unlock some new like each uh, job has its own skill tree and, you know, some jobs are better than others. There's definitely ones that I think are pretty cool. Just like a shadow assassin one that's like really melee heavy. And you're doing these pretty like fun combos. But it's also pretty simplistic. Like you're pretty much just mashing square and then occasionally doing like a special move by hitting the shoulder trigger. But I think overall it's nothing special. It's just competent, I'd say. But I think also some of the jobs, the combat is just kind of bad. <laughs> and I actively avoid using them. I think the farm stuff is also just kind of like fine you know it's like okay i'm planning my stuff i'm expanding my farm I'm, i got some animals that i can raise or at least two different animals that i don't think you can get more from what i've seen but you know and then you unlock different biomes of like oh you got your regular farm but you can have a, a cave farm and the certain vegetables can only grow in a cave with just dirt no water and then there's a water biome where like only these vegetables can grow in the water and some vegetables can only grow during different seasons. So it's a lot of managing of like, okay, I should probably stockpile on strawberries because once spring leaves, I can't grow strawberries. So, and you're, and you're using these uh, vegetables to do multiple things. You can sell them for like profit. You can use them to make recipes, which is really important because you have like a stamina meter that you have to manage because, you know, you get hungry. So you're going to be constantly cooking stuff. You can even deliver dishes to different town folk for like to build out their restaurant menus to get some extra cash and like and this game just has a ton to do and i think the game does a good job of giving you plenty of like activities one of my complaints with ooblets is that in between the main stuff there was really nothing to do but farm and then when you're waiting for things to grow you're literally just meandering (laughs) um this game has plenty of side quests i think the side quests are pretty like either bad or just sort of like busy work you know i think some of the stories attached to them are like decent but i also think some of them are a little tedious and most of the stories are pretty benign whatever but they at least make it worth your while to do them like you get some decent rewards like money and seeds to grow your stuff uh there's also like i think my favorite side quests are the relationship building stuff they do like sort of a a mass effect thing of like oh all your party members have their own individual threads that you can do and you know the more you engage with their stories the closer you like the more your bond builds and you get uh some good character rewards of like okay i helped out this womanizing shipbuilder guy who's in my party but every time i help him my physical attack goes up so it it actually behooves me to spend some time with him because i want to be you know i want to hit things harder but i think that I think one of the things I'm having trouble with is the game's pacing. This game is a very, very slow rollout of the more interesting, like, not only farming stuff, but just abilities. Like, the third chapter of the game is very meaty, which is surprising because the first two are pretty quick. And then the third one's like, here's three different, very long quests that you have to do. And each one unlocks a very crucial part of your farm. And so I think if you're into farming games, like an enthusiast, 
I, I, I could see people bouncing off before maybe even getting to that point or finishing it because maybe you're used to having more robust options earlier on in these kind of games than you do in this one. And I think a lot of that is because they have to balance the sort of like action RPG, like epic story stuff of like, okay, you need to go, you need to go do some story missions, you know, go run this dungeon for a bit. And then once you do that a few times, you know, you'll advance the plot to where, hey, now I can do this big thing on my farm. Because there's like a day-night cycle and everything. And you have to be, you also have to be home at a certain time to sleep. Like if you stay out too late, (laughs) like past midnight, your character will literally pass out. And you'll just warp back home. And then you have to pay a very expensive doctor's fee from the person, like the town doctor that has to like escort you home. So it actually, it's actually annoying. So you kind of have to plan everything around like, all right, I have this many hours left. I don't think I have enough time in the day to do a story quest. Maybe I can knock out a side quest and then go home and sleep, which there was some fun to that of like trying to maximize each day of like, okay, here's my, here's everything I need to do. Here's everything I want to do. What's the best order to do this in terms of like where they're located on the town map. And okay, if this is on the way, maybe I'll bang this out. And then it starts to feel like real life of like, and then I think I could save the world by 10 o'clock tonight. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Very Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, I don't want to pass out and pay like seven hundred dollars. Uh, but I I think that um, like the pacing is my biggest issue because the way everything's gated because you're kind of at the mercy of the the meters and stuff. If you're interested in the plot, which I I think the plot is actually interesting enough because of how wild it is that I I there's been times where like I kind of just want to mainline this, but I can't because either I do need to take time to farm to get more. Like, I have to cook to have more supplies because I'm, like, out of them. And I can't run this dungeon without, like, 50 omelets in my wallet. Or um, That is such a video game sentence. I can't do this <laughs> without 50 omelets in my wallet. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yep, yep, I, that makes sense. Reasonable. I make so many ketchup omelets, you have no idea, Kyle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, or even just um, there are some times where nothing's happening. Like, you just have to wait. They're like, okay, I'm, like, I'm in between main story beats. What do I do now? And then it literally the mission is just like, oh, just hang out. Just wait. You'll see. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to do some random stuff for a day until, you know, things pick back up. Which, again, I think if you want some, like, a RPG thing that's a little bit more laid back and you don't mind losing control of when you can advance the story, I think that's kind of cool. But I, I think it's also, it, it can get in its own way sometimes with that stuff but also uh going back to the technical stuff this game has a lot of uh technical issues um there's a weird graphical glitch i keep seeing that i've never seen in a switch game where intermittently sometimes the right side of the screen will get like sort of like a like a colored block will appear like it almost looks like there's like an hdmi issue Mm. right of like it's like oh here's just a blue square that's like overlaid on no, the that's right a, side screen. And that's a power-up. From... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's because I ate the uh, blueberries. and <laughs> just The game's letting me know. And at first, I thought it was like a, a problem with my dogs. I played this game kind of 50-50 between dock and handheld. So I was like, okay, maybe like it's my HDMI like jiggling or something. But then it happened last night when I was playing handheld like a lot. And I was like, what is happening here? And it was like green. So I don't know what's going on with that. But even when it's not kind of like glitchy or some popping stuff uh i think fidelity wise the game is not super great especially on a tv like when you blow it up it just looks kind of bad and 
sort of muddy the textures and even though this game even the art design is it's simplified by design but even then it still just looks rough in some spots um so yeah this is another one where it's like whew, even when you kind of simplify things down the switch is just really long in the tooth for maybe something of this even this scale uh watch watching my family play it over their shoulder i will say and this is just secondary like you can confirm for me marcus i feel like it runs okay like it looks like it runs pretty smoothly even if it's kind of kind of muddy right yeah it runs fine i think the combat you know which you know i think that's important the combat runs fine and well, that's good okay. i don't remember really any glaring like frame rate issues or anything like that i think it's just more visually it's just like oh i wish this was like smoother or in like a machine that was a little bit stronger because i think the art design looks nice even if it isn't super remarkable it looks like a like a b-tier square enix game basically but there's some stuff where like oh that's a cool design on that monster i just wish it maybe looked sharper <laughs> um but i think by and large it's like i said i'm enjoying myself i feel like maybe i've been a little overly negative of it I, maybe because it's uh satisfying the the spinning multiple plates part of my brain it's like it feels good to have like a bunch of things and meters going and you kind of when you get things lined up or like okay i know these are these tomatoes are gonna be ready by tomorrow and then tomorrow i'm gonna take these tomatoes to the shop guy and he's gonna make a i'm gonna give him a pizza and then i'm gonna go do a save the world mission and be done by eight o'clock tonight because there's a mission at nine o'clock that i can only do at that time and i'm gonna go do it and when you kind of line everything up and do it all perfectly it feels like good in like a time management way yeah uh, i but i think other things are just there's nothing really like overly exceptional i think the best stuff is just pretty competent at best and then everything else it's kind of like it's kind of writing that line of like this is just okay so far this is just fine uh, but i'd be curious kyle how is your uh family liking it are they pretty deep in it or honestly kind of like you where it's like they're like eh, it seems fine Maybe I should play Mario Rabbids instead. I don't know. I'll keep playing this. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, the reaction. Okay. Yeah, so I know you told me your your wife's really into farming sims. So I was like, oh, oh yeah. is she digging that aspect of it at all? I think, yeah. It, it seems like it's more combat-focused. Like, it's almost more JRPG than farming sim in the end. Yeah, it is. But it kind of evens out, it sounds like, as long as you give it the time. Yeah, if you get far enough in the game, like I said, it okay. unlocks more things to do with the farm. You can totally make it. You know, you can decorate the farm, at least so far I've gotten, like, different fences I can put up, which is something, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know if it gets any deeper than that, but imagine so. But, yeah, I'd say it's definitely, if you want something that's purely farming, maybe don't pick this up, because it is a lot of, like, action RPG stuff. Um, but if you are a fan of both of those genres, I think this is a pretty solid middle ground from what I've played so far. I've played a lot, but it... From what I am, I still have a long way to go. And the reason we don't have a review up, guys, is that I got code like the day before it launched. <laughs> so if mm. you're like, where's the review, guys? It's like, eh, still still working through it. And this is a game that, uh, like I said, you play at its own pace. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, cool. Um, also, you were talking about technical stuff, and it reminded me that I called Pokemon Legends RC or Violet that I had N64 graphics. I just want to, I just want to, very much clarify that that was an double down on that oh okay exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think like actually SNES uh snes yeah <laughs> no just uh you know an exaggeration all right a big exaggeration i don't want people coming for me all right uh we got two more games left to chat about real quick 
Kyle, you feel like talking about Somerville? Yeah, let's do it. I yeah, it's um, so I think it's I've been pronouncing it Somerville. Somerville, but I I was gonna ask like is it is it officially Somerville? I don't know. It's uh, my yeah. I, I will tell you this. My I changed my name. It, it's it's a long story. <laughs> my last name's always been Van Aken, but my mom's last name was spelled S O M E R S, and um, they accidentally put that on my birth certificate instead of my dad's last name when I was born. So it was this whole thing where like through school I was Van Aken. And then when I was 18 years old, I found out my last name actually wasn't Van Aken. It was Summers the whole time. <laughs> uh, and it was this whole thing, but that's how we pronounced it. Okay. But yeah. And, and but, the studio, you know, that's we're we're one, we're one family out of, I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. I'm tired. The, the studios um, <laughs> uh, in Guildford, England. So I don't know. I mean, it does. Soma. Soma's mate. Somaville. Um, but it doesn't matter because it's never spoken because there's no dialogue in the game at all. It's oh, uh, it's very much um, in the school of uh, inside and limbo and little nightmares. It's kind of like in that genre, right? But um, it's um, it is very much. It feels very Spielberg. It feels very Close Encounters Spielberg as opposed oh. to like later Spielberg. Um, yeah, it's um, you. You're a father. You're kind of a your family. You have a, a a dog and a wife and a small toddler and like an alien invasion happens, and it really uh, is very intense and cool the way it happens. The the visuals of this game are spectacular. Just like the presentation is amazing. The director is actually like um, uh, former like uh, animation like he he worked on a lot of animated films. Like he's a guy. He's like worked. He has like a Hollywood background, and um, it's just this really stirring interesting really pretty like linear kind of story where you're just trying to survive during this alien invasion and and the story gets insane and it goes places you don't expect it to go and um it's uh got a great ending i i I, i've played through the game three times already uh in full just because i really love this genre of game like it's not even like i you get a different ending or extra context. So there's not even really a lot of secrets in the game, but it's just like the second it was over, it's like, I just want to see that again. I just want to experience that sort of that, that adventure again and, and kind of know how to tackle all the puzzles and stuff, which makes it all the more cinematic because you kind of know what you're doing and, and moving through this world. And as I kind of hinted at earlier, like the sound design is really stellar, like just the sort of soft explosions happening in the background and the weird sound effects of all this alien technology. It's, it's really it's it's really cool but um the big thing about it is it's like it's just kind of uh there are technical inefficiencies where like little animations don't work correctly or like it's hard to grab that handle for that puzzle when it really shouldn't be um and then even there are some of the puzzles aren't as like as uh, clear as they should be and i found myself like finding solutions sometimes where i was like like which is like the worst thing you want in like an environmental puzzle game where you're kind of like Oh, that's the solution. Uh, okay, I guess that works, you know. And like, and there were there was just like two or three of those moments where I was like, "That's all. That's what I was supposed to do." Eh, okay, all right. But like those, I ended up giving it an eight out of ten, and I kind of really wavered on that of whether I should go higher or not. And it's and it's it's because when it's really singing and it's really cool and like 
there's just like these giant purple sort of lights coming out from the sky and they're chasing you through the woods and it just looks so intense and cool. Like it really sings and it's really cool. But then you just hit those couple of moments where you kind of stumble and it like, it brings it down. But um, yeah, Somerville, like it's, it's a cool game. It looks great. Like go, go check out the trailer if nothing else. Like it's just like, it's a, it's, the, so the presentation of it it's a very presentational game and it uh when it when it's working it's it's really cool have you played it since it launched like have they patched it to where is it pretty is it better now so i played it right before it launched and it was it was really rough and then i i um stopped halfway through and there was a day one patch that i was able to apply on pc and continued playing it and finished it and there were still some hiccups and then i was like well let me give it one more go so i played it again and it was, you know, better, but still not quite there. And then when it launched on Xbox uh, yesterday, it's on Game Pass, by the way, downloaded it and played it again just because I've been enjoying it so much. So the the Series X version was the most stable version. Like if that's if you have the choice, I would play it on your Series X on a, the on a big old TV in 4K with loudspeakers or headphones because like sound design really just like stellar for this. Um, really, it's definitely one of those like turn the lights down and turn the headphone volume up kind of games like let it like take in the presentation of it all it's not it's not you're not min maxing like um you know stats or like taking you're not you're not taking your time you're not farming right it's not this time consuming thing it's all about presentation and the moment to moment sort of things that are happening in the game um but yeah so X- xbox i think was, was like the, the cleanest best version to play uh, if you have a choice. Nice. Can I ask how long it is? Because you've played it so many times. Yeah. So my first playthrough was like about five hours or so. Um, and then like the for my third playthrough where I really knew what I was doing, I got through in like three hours. Gotcha. But um, yeah. So like a, kind of that three to three to six zone, depending on if you're getting stuck on puzzles and stuff like that. Is this the, the storytelling uh, comparing it to Limbo and Inside? Do you think, is this the most sort of like, overt or explicit story like because whenever i think of inside so much of that is kind of up to interpretation is this one a little bit more straightforward or there there are certainly moments of interpretation uh near the end is where it kind of gets the most sort of interpretive and abstract but it make it makes sense right it, it like you can you i have theories about things that are happening that i'm not sure about that i would love to discuss with folks when they finish the game um, but overall, like it is, it is a game with like a beginning, middle, and end with a, with a story that has a few abstract moments that you can kind of attribute to like I don't really know what these invaders are or what they work or how they communicate. But it is not like it's not like little nightmares, right? Where it's like, am I in a dream? Like limbo? It's like, is this is any of this reality? Like it's not quite there. You are what is. Ha- you are in an actual reality where things are happening up until the end. Then things get a little wishy-washy, but in a really fascinating way. Okay. That's exciting. I'm a sucker for alien movies or stories where they don't explain what the aliens are, which I know is kind of weird, but it, it I like that. It's high praise, but this is the most sort of like I've enjoyed an alien invasion story in a video game since like Half-Life 2. Like in just oh like God. in just like mm. just the tone and the setting and like I feel like you gotta write here. write something about that. Yeah, there might be. Some, yeah, honestly, yeah, maybe I will write something that about that because like Half Life Two is just so good at like dropping you in this place with the combine having already taken over and you're just trying to figure out like well, what happened while I was gone. Why are things this way? And um, Somerville is kind of like almost you were there when things started going awry and you get to kind of see 
you get to see what's happening and try to figure out how to stay alive without knowing what's going on, right? Like, it, it does a really good job of that. It gives me almost a Quiet Place vibes, maybe because it's like, oh, it's focused on this small family, and they're just trying to survive this alien thing that you don't really know what where they came from or what's going on. That's not really important. It's just stay away from them if you can. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a much more intimate story, right, of like... It's not like, oh, I, I got to figure out what these aliens are and how, how can we defeat them? It's like, I, where's my kid? <laughs> it's kind of like the yeah. question being asked, you know, which I love. I, I like that sort of approach. Same. Check it yeah. out. It's this, on Game this, Pass. This, I mean, I've, uh, that's been one of my most anticipated of the year, and I'm really excited to hear you are digging it. I am. Man. Oh, I can't wait. That I might play that before Ragnarok. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, I don't know when I'm gonna fit it in. I mean, it's, I'm, it's uh, short. I'm I'm waiting on Ragnarok because I'm traveling for the holidays, and I don't think I'll be able to beat it before then. And my holidays, unfortunately, are going to be like filled with like uh, personal family stuff, so I don't think I'm gonna be able to like play a long game. That's why I'm waiting on a God of War. But sounds like Somerville, I could maybe pack my Series S and play over the course of a few nights yeah, yeah. i did we're pl- playing mario rabbits that's a good that's family a good game I, heard. <laughs> I played a little on that's steam true. deck and it was a little stuttery uh but uh so still not quite the ideal but i want i wonder if by the time you're listening to this if maybe it's gotten a nice uh, i don't think it's steam deck verified either but um okay yeah maybe that could be an option cool well somerville sounds awesome uh let's finish up the playlist uh in the episode talking about pentiment with charles Pentiment. Um, yeah, uh, Pentiment was my first review ever. I've never reviewed a video game before Pentiment, so that was cool. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. And yeah, it's a good, it's a good, cool game. It's also on Game Pass. Um, it takes place in the year 1518 in a fictional town that would have existed in the Holy Roman Empire. And I was I started it and I was like I'm so glad I took AP Euro in high school because I feel like I know what's going on. I It was actually, it's 1518. And I had a point where I was like, 1518, that's one year after Martin Luther posted his 95 theses and started the Protestant Reformation. And then someone walks in and they're like, hey, have you heard about this crazy Martin Luther guy? And I was like, yes. Now you're just showing off, Charles. Well, <laughs> now you know, uh, Martin Luther posted his 95 theses in the year 1517. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's really cool. You play as um, this guy, Andreas Mahler, um, and he is an artist that is working at an abbey, which is like a, a building of uh, uh, Catholic monks. And uh, there's a adjoining uh, convent of nuns. And he works. Um, he's not a monk, but he works with the monks to like copy um, books. So he'll like take a book out of the library, literally just by hand, make a copy of all the words and the art, too, which is why he's there. And yeah, it's a really interesting game it's an adventure game um and it's told i mentioned he he's copying books it's told as if this story is one of the books he's copying so it starts off and the first thing you do is take like a stone i don't really understand what it is but you scrape away like the ink that's on an old page to like start writing your new book because i think that's how they they would literally strip the existing books they had to to make new stuff um and so like all the dialogue is like a quill will come in and write in you know, what the people say and the the different uh, like classes of people have different styles of like fonts that their dialogue is written in. So like uh, one of the monks will have like this crazy ornate like Latin style, uh, Latin style, old. I said it, it belongs on like a Roman statue type of script. 
Um, whereas like a peasant just has like a, a quill dipped in ink and you can see like in the text where like someone would have dipped their quill back in the ink to to refresh the pen. Oh, I love that. It's so cool. Um, also, the author will make typos. So uh, it'll be like, oh, yes, he meant that way. And then you'll see and then <laughs> uh, nice correct the M with the W and say he went that way. Um, and you start to like. <laughs> it's hard sometimes because the script is is a little hard to read so i'll be like is that a g or oh wait it's it was supposed to be an h and they just wrote it completely incorrectly yeah the plot of the game um it's told in in three different acts they're pretty distinct and the first two have like murder mysteries and so you'll have i don't really understand it but i guess back in 1518 the days were divided into these chunks um they have weird latin names i don't remember what it is but it, it's uh uh you'll have like the morning and then lunch and then that evening and then dinner and then nighttime where you're just supposed to go to sleep and it'll be like all right we have to we have to investigate this murder i'm gonna investigate this old crypt and you'll do that and think like oh this is gonna take a while meaning that you don't have enough time to do that and then do something else before you know you have to go eat lunch and the way these mysteries are laid out is it's like there's you know, six or seven investigation activities and you'll only have time to do four, maybe five if you're smart. Um, so there's kind of an interesting puzzle there of like, I'm interested to replay the game at some point and see like if I do other actions, if I can figure more things out um, because I don't think you can come to a clean conclusion on like who did this murder, um, who's right and who's wrong. And the game never really gives you a clear indication of if you made the right choice. I think you just have to go with your gut and then the town will react. But yeah, um, my main issue was the third act. Uh, it's like a big shift. Uh, I won't spoil what it is because I think it's I think it's a really cool shift and I understand why they did it and I, I respect the decision. But there's no murder there. You have like a completely different task. And part of what makes the first two chunks interesting is like, all right, I got to manage my time. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to make sure everything works out. Um, and this last one, there's none of that like crunch. Um, and it's still like an interesting story, but it's like you have time to do all the things you need to do. So there's not as much of a like decision making process as there is in the first two thirds. Um, so it's just less exciting. Uh, but I, I still think it's a good game. I still think it's a good story. I also think that third chunk is kind of necessary if as far as I know, there's only one ending, so it kind of needs to tie some things together thematically if that's the way it's going. But yes, I gave it an 8.5. I think it's really good. I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think if you're... It's it's mostly reading and dialogue. There's some, you know, I mentioned you make decisions and stuff, but this is mainly if you're interested in, I don't know, kind of a more traditional adventure text-based game. We've got a lot of those this year. Yeah, this has been a great year for adventure stuff because even listening to you, Charles, this the sort of like time management stuff reminds me a lot of Citizen Sleepers. Yeah. Sort of like all the different meters going on of like, well, I can't help both of these people in the time I have, so I got to choose one. Is it, um, does it make it pretty clear or easy to know all the things that are going on and how much time you have left? with everything yeah so the menu it's and yeah it's not it's not like an active timer it's just that like sometimes when you click on to do a thing it'll be like oh this will take me a minute so i should it'll ask you like do you want to do this or do you want to go explore some more um so it's pretty pretty explicit on like whether the thing you're doing is going to take up time but it's also like uh the pause menu is like 
you you pull the camera pulls away from the book that you're playing in and you can see all these tabs of like the glossary and the map and on the map you can see like stars of like usually like the main tasks you have um some of which will involve time passing and some which won't are you you said or are you do you know for sure if there's only one ending or i don't but the way it came together i would be surprised if there were multiple endings well just hearing everything up to it it almost seems like that would contradict the design of like oh i accused the wrong person (laughs) yeah now everyone hates me but then if it kind of works its way to where like oh it it's gonna end how it's gonna end anyway regardless of how you who you accuse yeah sounds like that would be less interesting but well it's like when you accuse people um, unless i got like all my accusers completely wrong which i guess is possible but i don't I, i didn't get the vibe um okay the people don't there's no confession there's not like a part where they unravel the map and they're like oh you caught me this is where i you know placed the rocks i was gonna drop on his head or whatever um hmm. they kind of go down kicking and screaming and then whatever happens happens and then you have to go into the next chunk of the game like well you know this person got executed for their crime so now i'm it's eight years later well, and the church right. hates me yeah yeah <laughs> that's interesting okay I just wanted to know if there was a way to, like, play this the least optimal. Like, I'm just the worst detective. <laughs> Everything I did is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also, I mentioned that third act. It does it does change a lot of stuff. And I don't, I don't want to spoil what happens in there because I do think it was, like, a really cool uh, moment to see, like, what this third chunk of the game is because it's just so different. And I, I think that's very interesting. But I think if someone was to play this game and get there, you would understand like, oh, okay, I can see how this game kind of has to go in this certain direction. And I, I still think it's an enjoyable ride, even if it felt like I was getting railroaded a little bit at the end, because I still think the story was cool, but um, that did take a little bit away from it for me. It was also, it felt longer. The game was, was uh, I finished it in about 15 hours, but the last chunk, it just felt longer than the first I guess like the first ones too, you're like solving murder mysteries. It's kind of like, ooh, what's going to happen? Even then, there's there's like an hour or two probably before the first murder where I was like, this is kind of a cool game, but it's slow and there's not much going on. And then someone died and I was like, oh. And then I like I, I felt like it clicked for me at that point before that I wasn't as sold. Just like real life, boring until somebody dies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's wrap up the episode. We have a couple listener questions, if that's all right with y'all. Uh, of course, if you want to be involved, you can send us an email, podcast at gameinformer.com, or ask a question in the Discord, which you get access to by supporting, uh, subscribing to us once on Twitch. Uh, it's a Mama Luigi asks, Pentiment looks pretty cool. I always love it when the visual design of games is based on a specific style of art. I played a game a few years ago called Apotheon. Apotheon? Uh, Apotheon. Apotheon. That looked like ancient Greek pottery. What what other games in the style have you played, and were they worth playing? In the style of Pentiment, or just with a cool? I think just like with a cool, distinct. I'm thinking of like uh, Goragoa. Didn't that have a pretty Mm. interesting art style? I didn't play it, so I can't say if it's good. But I remember it getting a lot of praise. I reviewed that one Um, actually. (laughs) Oh yeah? yeah, did you like it? I didn't love it, but okay, I love the way it looks. Okay. It's a great looking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I think maybe one of the earliest examples of this is uh Super Mario World Two Yoshi's Island. 
oh like the crayon look that's style. yeah yeah that's a good point yeah. yeah like as a kid i remember that was one of my first like this is a really unique art style that you don't see in video games i'm i'm thinking of uh uh chicory just kind of oh, like yeah, a yeah, coloring yeah. book that's a cool game where they really like take advantage like mechanically of of the fact that you're coloring stuff in i think uh dishonored t- or not dishonored god disco elysium is um like expressionist i think is like the style and it's kind of got like a splot it's i don't know it's like very distinct art style uh i don't know if it'd be like a oil painting or like watercolor or something like that but it's like very distinct and i feel like it kind of falls in that category a bit for me also that game's just awesome um, maybe just cell shading as a whole because it just makes everything yeah look like either a comic book or an anime you know, I think Definitely. it's like the best way to be like, yeah, your Dragon Ball game just looks like the show. You know, yeah, that's awesome. What was that Genesis yeah. game? Was that Comic Zone? Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, Comic Zone. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, that was that was an early one of very much like, oh, I see exactly what you're going for here for sure. Yeah, cool. Uh, thank you for that question. It's a Mama Luigi. Um, I think as I called you last episode, it's a Mama Luigi. Zachary Pluggy asks, having the Game of the Year award voting this early tends to snub late releases that ultimately get overshadowed for the following year's award. My recent example is Tactics Ogre Reborn for this year. Over the years, has there been a game with a later November-December release that you think would have been a major contender if the awards were pushed off to the start of January? I think Halo, Halo Infinite. <laughs> Real quick, this it's going to be really bad this year because Callisto Protocol, Midnight Suns, and there's another big one, High on Life. There's some big December games that are not... <laughs> going to be on the ballot this year but to answer the question i think super smash brothers ultimate was a big one. Oh yeah mm. yeah i remember that one I, I my biggest one uh was spider-man miles morales where i i dropped everything to play that game because that was one of my favorite games i just like the spider-man series a lot and it didn't get uh a lot of recognition i think in general it also came out like this the i think it was a launch title for the ps5 yeah like, i think did it not make the cut i think uh miles's actor got a performance nom but i don't think it got much other than that i could be wrong i just remember looking at the game awards and being like that's my game of the year and then not seeing it anywhere yeah yeah to be fair spider-man has a history of getting snubbed at the game awards so <laughs> maybe it's well just it needs to quit coming over. out the same years as like god of war and red dead redemption <laughs> yeah is it low-key the it's like the horizon of superhero games. <laughs> 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 he just keeps getting overshadowed somehow. Aww. There's a good case to be made, though, that the Game Awards should be in, like, January or February when the games aren't coming out as opposed to, like, right at the holidays when I feel like... And then that way, I feel like the window is cleaner, right? Of it's just if it came out in 2022. Yeah. You know, not even just for games that come out in December, but just giving critics more time to play mm. games that even games that come out in November For or sure. late October. Uh, yeah, I always feel like it's like rushed. Yeah, you're like, I got to cram through this giant RPG. <laughs> it yeah. came out in November. Oh, it's awful. It gives me yeah. anxiety. Cool. Last question comes from uh, the indie informer herself. Jill Grote Whoa. asks, you wake up on Thanksgiving to find the only foods left in the world are from video games. What's your best case feast? Parentheses, give me options for side dishes and a mouth-watering main course. Also, to be realistic, one thing on the table is disgusting. What is it? 
what's the cranberry sauce of video games? Rare candy. You think it tastes bad? Interest. Bad taste. I think like dubious food from Breath of the Wild. Mm. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of something for like Monster Hunter World because all the food in that game looked fantastic. I don't know if I can single out a specific dish. There's a there's a stew in God of War Ragnarok that I'd be very curious mm. to try. And oh yeah. I think I think Brock calls it dirt soup, but he's like, but he really <laughs> likes it though. He's like really into it. I think uh, we could have some potato mochi from uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. That'd be like a good some lawn, lawn like, milk. You, uh, uh, yeah, some lawn lawn milk, <laughs> pumpkin um, spice lawn lawn milk. <laughs> whoa, that's something right there. Come in your house. This <laughs> this is a bad answer because it's real food, but just thinking about it, I cannot play Persona Five. Because anytime someone drinks coffee or goes to a ramen shop, I immediately want coffee and or ramen. Or when they eat curry, I'm like, I just really want curry. But that's just real. That's just real food. So that doesn't really count. I'll say a mushroom oh, from Mario. I think it that's counts. like a classic. Maybe that can be our turkey. I'll <laughs> you get know, slices. Uh, vegetarian. When uh, Brian Shea reviewed, I think, Persona 5 Strikers, they sent him a recipe for like actual Persona curry that he made and he wrote a... A f- he wrote the recipe as a feature on GI. You should look it up. And I made it at home and it was fantastic. So you can you can literally live the dream if you want to do that. Done. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, you could do the Kirby burger. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Oh, we like saw that in Japan. Burger. We saw that in Japan. We yeah. Went, we went to the Kirby cafe. We didn't get to eat there because we didn't have a reservation, but we s- stood outside the window like creeps watching people <laughs> eat, <laughs> eat pink. But that tastes good. Kirby yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a, that's a They're like, you, you think just that's said. good? Yeah, I feel like World of Warcraft has like a. I mean, they have a whole cookbook dedicated to it, but there's True. so much, so many recipes in WoW, uh, and I'm guessing, and I think Final Fantasy as well. I'm guessing. Um, uh, I mean, 15. 14, 15. I mean, yeah, 15, Oh, 15 yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I found a new recipe. I want. Uh, can we like put chefs like who's in charge of the Thanksgiving dinner? Because I I nominate Ignis. He yeah. seems like he knows what I he's think, doing. Yeah, and he's also very organized. Like he can juggle multiple dishes without having any of them burn. Probably. I ate at the uh, Toadstool Cafe, Super Nintendo World, and it tasted serviceable. It was <laughs> high praise. <laughs> I don't think he would burn Thanksgiving dinner. Who Toad himself? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Canopio. Canope. Okay. Um, Is he well, serving mushrooms? Is that like messed up? Yeah, I, I we bit in we like cracked open the head of a mushroom and like ate its insides. Uh, it was like a, a pizza bowl. <laughs> All right, interesting. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, what about Kirby with the chef hat on? Because he can mm. just throw anything in a bowl and then it comes out as beautiful food. So then it doesn't matter what our ingredients are because Kirby's got the chef's hat on. Yeah, I would be confident. He'd be like Ignis's sous chef. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you get him those. I feel two, like that's disrespectful he... to to Kirby. Like, Kirby eats stuff for a living. I think we all do. Yeah, I was about we to say, literally have to live. Uh, literally everybody. <laughs> no, but as a as a career as well. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but he yeah. doesn't. Kirby doesn't really discriminate on what's good versus bad food. Kirby eats. I mean, his enemies as well. I wouldn't. He spits stuff out reviews. that he doesn't like. He ate a whole ass car once. <laughs> repeatedly yeah, pretty happy about it. <laughs> he, he kept eating that car he loved it so much that's true yeah that's that's what i want in my thanksgiving kitchen i want i want ignis running the show because he's like organized but i i think his sous chef should be kirby and then you get a uh, meow chef from monster hunter in there because he's kind of the grizzled mm-hmm. vet 
he's he's worked in a lot of kitchens in his day and then they turn out some good food and then he gets one dish that sucks for some reason yeah you know who i i think should be table service the overcooked crew you know I, I'm, I don't I'm iffy know on about that. that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who's playing? They're, who's behind this? They're going to the throw crew. a potato at me. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true Thanksgiving, right? It's chaos in the kitchen. Something has to catch fire at some point. Yeah. Someone tried to fry turkey and didn't realize that's a lot harder. Than it was. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show this week. I know it was a longer one. I didn't mean for it to be, but hey, there's a lot of games that came out this week. Uh, not sure if there's going to be an episode next week because of the holiday, um, might take it off. So if you don't see an episode, that is why we'll be back the following week. If you do see an episode surprise. We decided to do an episode. What if we recorded ourselves eating Thanksgiving dinner and you just made an episode out of that? Just chewing noises. Yeah. ASMR. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I'd love, love editing that Thanksgiving night. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to, to Matt, AKA DJ Stormageddon for editing the show. Uh, go listen to all things Nintendo, our other podcast. That's going to have a, a huge, I think from what I'm hearing, a round table, uh, all about Pokemon, uh, Violet, Pokemon Scarlet. Of course, follow the crew here on social media. You can follow Charles at Chuck duck, three, six, five, Follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart seven and follow Kyle at Kyle M Hilliard. Uh, and you can follow me at it's Van Aiken. Of course, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts. That means a lot to us. We'll be sure to read it off and say thanks uh, and share the show with a friend uh, until next time. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.